This is Raising a Sane and Successful Teen, an Innovative Guide to Becoming an Awesome Parent, read by the author Marianne Majori. Chapter 9, Sex and Love. Schools have been assigned the job of sex education in our society, but it is really not their job. It is ours. What sex education in school is all about is the science of reproduction and birth control. control. This is called biology. What sex education does not cover in its emphasis on mechanics is self-knowledge, personal pleasure, shared pleasure, and relationship. Again, this is not the school's job. It is our job. Do not mistake me. Sex education is very useful. I know few parents who can pull a condom over a cucumber in a public presentation as skillfully as the school nurse. But most parents are aware that sex education programs are an inappropriate place to learn about the essentials of connecting with other people. Studies show that children are more and more learning their attitudes about sex from the media and their peers. I don't know what your high school or movie and TV watching experience may have been, but I feel certain that these were not good places to learn what sexual intimacy with a real, living, breathing person might be. We adults have contributed to our own children's mistaken thoughts about sex. We hide our love for each other for fear that our children may be embarrassed by our hugging, kissing, and affection for each other. Most children, even in the sexually vocal 21st century, believe that their parents conceived them and perhaps a sibling or two and then ceased all sexual involvement with each other. Because we leave sex education to the schools, we do not take the opportunity to instruct our children on methods and steps to connecting with another and creating bonds of mutual pleasure. This makes them anxious and leads them to the devices of locker room show-offs and pajama party gossips to learn their early lessons about sex. Like all things with children, it is easier to start the guidance early and build on it little by little. A preschooler will want to know where they came from and can be shown through teaching picture books and conversations how they grew from a seed that mommy and daddy planted in mommy's tummy. Over the years, there are more and more questions, and if you take your time and respect their need for knowledge and reassurance, you can help them see how this whole wonderful thing happens. As they mature to preteen age, they may ask you about your sexual history. Be ready for the question and have an answer. Always, always, always be aware that you are profoundly affecting a young person's growth in a very particular and important way. What you say about yourself will strongly influence what they think and say to themselves. Key among the questions might be, when did you first have sex? Or what was it like for you the first time? Be age appropriate in your answers. Tell them the story of this part of your life in a few short paragraphs that show a bit of what happened, how you felt about it, how you recall and understand it now. This is how, despite my teen's facial gestures and quick interruptions, I told the tale of my first encounter to my teens. My first sexual experience was with a boy I loved in high school. We enjoyed kissing each other, and I wanted to get as close to him as I could. Kids smirks. But I made a bit of a mistake that I ended up having to correct later. The kids now are curious with frowns. I rushed things so I could get it over with. Now there are surprise looks. My mom bowing to peer pressure? There was a big urge among my friends who were trying to get rid of their virginity. I felt the burden of it too. So my first time was in a station wagon, tucked behind a school, afraid of being caught by cops, nervous, excited, wanting to do the right thing. Now my kids look nervous. Perhaps a thoughtful nod of a head appears. It hurt a bit, and when it was over, I was surprised at how little it affected me. 
I called a friend and told her, I can't believe what all the fuss is about. The Playboy magazines and the talk and more talk about sex, it's like nothing really. Now my kids are laughing. But I learned what the fuss was about later when we tried again and again. Eyebrows raised. They're interested and there's an interested look. Many weeks later, when I was away at college, the same boyfriend came to visit me and stay the weekend. We had our own room, and we were not afraid of being interrupted, and we taught each other how to touch and how to kiss so that it was good for both of us. That is when I had my first orgasm. Eyes looking down now, and there's a little smile. We know each other through our stories, and these stories can build the character and courage of those who hear us. By telling our stories with grace, loving truth, and a nod to humor, we help our children see a bit of the path we made. In this way, they receive a look at our own humanity, and which can often assure them in theirs. We do not ask that they follow our path, and we must mean this sincerely. I cannot say because I had sex at 17 that no one should have sex before 17. I cannot say because I chose a young man that my daughter should choose a young man or that my son should choose a young woman. I cannot say that love is necessary to the encounter. I cannot say that station wagons are inadequate and beds are better. I can only say that I created in my life and helped my children create something that will work for them in theirs. Storytelling is very useful, but sometimes construction is also needed. Check in from time to time. When it's time for their yearly checkup, be sure you have selected a healthcare professional who will support their health and be respectful of them and their questions as well. When my daughter was nearing the age when she wanted to be sexually active, she chose to go to Planned Parent with a group of friends and not with me. But with each of my children, I asked how they would feel most comfortable getting medical support. So you might offer to make arrangements for your teen's checkup. You might offer to go with them, even if it means that they ask you to sit in the waiting room when they see the doctor alone. Discuss birth control methods and disease prevention with them. Discuss rape and the prevention of rape with both your female teen and your male teen. Don't be afraid to get it all out in the open. Your teen may act like they have learned it all in sex ed, but it doesn't hurt to repeat your version of all these important topics with them. You're a caring person, and you want them to be healthy and safe. When you think your young person is ready to become sexually active, decide with them how you can help this part of their lives truly work. In our house, a teen is welcome to let the family know that they are having a guest over and need some private time. The rest of the family goes out for the evening, and the young person and their guests get the house to themselves for a number of hours. When my daughter fell in love and wanted to make love for the first time in her life, I arranged for her young brother to visit his father for the weekend, and I took a room in a nearby hotel. They initiated themselves with dignity and delight and no interruptions, and we all had a very nice couple of days taking a break from home. Even if you have staunchly avoided any input into your child's sexual history, it is never too late to start gently offering information and insights that will ease the transition into one of life's greatest adventures. Are they getting along comfortably with their partners? Do they feel they are getting what they need from the experience? Again, are they taking proper precautions so they will not get pregnant before they want to and so they, so they do not share any diseases? Do they have any questions or concerns? Try not to pry or ask for details. These are not your business. As with all things with teenagers, relating your own feelings about yourself or just checking in to see if they are well will give you far more results than judging or summing up on their behalf. 
I like the way your friend notices the art in our house. Do they have artists in their family? We'll often give you a conversation that will help you both to get to know the partner better. In many cultures, young people are trained from puberty in the ways of attracting and making love to each other. In one African culture, culture, when a love match occurs, males of the tribe take the young men within their circle, and the females take the young woman within theirs. The young man is taught how to approach the body of a woman, and the woman is taught how to call the body of the man to her. They learn ways to move and touch and kiss. When they are ready, they are left together to make love. I am told many happy unions are made of this method of training. Rather than learning from the boasting of your inexperienced peers, as we in our society often do, in this tribe, the young learn from the village skilled craftspeople the art of making love. You too can teach love skills to your children. Everything from how to choose flowers, what gift to bring when you're invited to dinner, or how to move so that your lovemaking brings joy to two people. When my daughter had begun to have sex with her first love, she was much smitten with him. Yet when I asked her if they were finding joy in each other, she said that she felt it was all going very well until he moved on top of her and entered her. Then they seemed to lose rhythm, and now, after several tries, they were both starting to lose heart. I told her, It is very difficult for a man to know at first what movements please a woman. If you get on top of him and move so that it feels good for you, it will probably feel good for him, and you will both learn what works. They tried the new maneuver, and she reported later that it did, indeed satisfy both of them and now they were launched she said it was great when we were done he asked me how i had known to do it that way and i told him you had told me and he said you asked your mother and she laughed i said yeah well how else and who else were you going to ask some help is often required but some is best illustrated by example your loving relationship with your child is the first building block to their sexuality they love most easily if you have loved them well. Your love of yourself, your kindness to the people in your larger life, your partner, your friends, your dear relations, your neighbors, also give an example of how alive you are to life and love. This will help your teen choose people who are alive to them and who are interesting people of depth, consciousness, and fun. You cannot guarantee that everything will go well. Just as everyone must have one roommate from hell, so also everyone must have at least one lover from the dark side. Your teen may suffer from the agony of such a bad relationship. Try to weather this period as graciously as you can. The late night phone calls, the hysterical scenes, the dramas that go with all bad relationships will go away so much faster if you just proceed with business as usual, checking in only from time to time. How are you doing? will work just fine for openers. A simple, I'm worried, this person seems to be upset all the time and that makes you makes me think you may be drawn into that kind of upset too. Are you all right? Do you need help? Listen closely to their answers and try not to argue with them. Signal that you are ready to listen further when the time arises. If you need to talk, remember I'm here, then drop it. Hopefully everyone will come to their senses before too long. If it gets to look too ugly, suggest a vacation away. Your aunt in San Diego would love to see her favorite niece or nephew. And the surfing is great there. Your cousin in Boston or Atlanta would give a whirlwind tour of their city that would change a teenager for a lifetime. Your good friend 50 miles away might need a handy person for a few weeks. Break the cycle for 30 days and you can change any addiction, even the addiction to another person. Love is great, but even when it begins well, it can lead to a downside. Even good relationships can change or fail to change. 
When that happens and things start to unravel, it can be really tough on your kid and on you. Watching your child's anguish is never, ever easy. But with the loss of a love, there is nothing you can do except make plenty of cups of tea, offer a shoulder to cry on, and stay out of the way the rest of the time. Don't pry. Don't lurk. Don't take it on too much yourself. The end of love is the end of love. Nothing more and certainly nothing less. It is a great sign that your child cared about someone. It means that if they can do it once, they can do it again. Do not worry. Even when the sounds of their sobbing reverberate through the sanctum of your walls, you may shed a tear or two yourself, but do not try to rush the healing, and be careful with your urge to denigrate the lost lover. This can fly back at you at odd moments. This is especially true with the first breakup. If the couple splits once, they will often reconvene and split again later. If you say nasty words about the former boyfriend or girlfriend during the first split, when they reconvene, there may be a coldness amongst the three of you that will be hard to get over. Keep mum about the lover and offer your support over the long haul. I have always tried to remember that lovers may come and go, but my kids have only one lover. Thank you for listening. If you have a struggling millennial, feel free to reach out. You can reach us at launch.5for5.org or call me, Marianne Majori, at 415-577-6627. That's 415-577-6627. We would love to hear from you. Take care until then.